Hello, and welcome to today's edition of the fight against COVID-19. What's really going on, a CGTN radio podcast that brings you everything you need to know about the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm Shane Bigham, and this edition will bring you the documentary Through the Storm to share the stories behind China's battle against the virus. Authorities are expecting more than 2 billion passenger trips to be made across China during the 40-day Spring Festival travel rush this year. 2023春运从1月7号开始到2月15号结束,共40天。So, China's 40-day Spring Festival travel rush has entered its second week and nationwide passenger traffic continues to grow. The data also shows that uh, 55% of the passengers are going back to hometowns. 进入春运以来,铁路客运量及货运量持续增长。It's January 2023, and the biggest migration of humans on the planet is back in full swing. Over the next 40 days, this railway station in southern China will witness the arrival and departure of over 15 million people. It's a journey that many have yearned for, a Chinese New Year family reunion. However, 25 kilometers away from the railway station, at the first affiliated hospital of Sun Yat-sen University, it's a very different story. Here, in one of China's largest and best-equipped ICUs, every bed is occupied. Dr. Wu Jianfeng and his colleagues work around the clock, treating 200 critically ill COVID-19 patients, most of them in their 80s. We received more than 40 patients, and about 20 were discharged from the hospital. The remaining patients are gradually recovering. The ICU is a place of rebirth. We work to make sure the patients stay alive. <laughs> On December 7, 2022, China rolled out 10 new measures aimed at optimizing epidemic prevention and control. In particular, COVID-19 patients would no longer be sent to quarantine. For the first time in almost three years, there was no mention of the dynamic zero COVID policy. A sea change was taking place in China's COVID-19 policy. Predictably, however, while the restrictions were easing, COVID-19 cases were on the up. In Beijing, medical workers found themselves under huge pressure to contain the rising tide. 
There were fewer than 30 patients before December the 7th. The number started to rise on the 8th. There were 81 patients in the morning on December the 8th. 79 of them had fever, and 322 patients came in the next day. I was on duty on December the 10th. It was a Saturday. There were 400 patients. A big challenge is that our medical staff were infected. Some of us started to get infected on December the 11th. Almost all of the medical workers were infected within two weeks. We experienced the most difficult time in mid-December. Many of them kept on working even when they were suffering mild fever and coughing. Intensive care units, together with emergency and fever clinics, were now on the front line in the battle against the rising COVID tide. Before long, fever clinics across China were treating nearly 3 million patients a day, while emergency departments were taking in 1.5 million. Less than three years earlier, Xun Yan, an emergency room veteran with 25 years' experience, had been to Serbia to aid that country's fight against the virus. The situation here is way better than it was 10 days ago. By mid-January, it was service as normal in her emergency room. And the Chinese government could declare that the nationwide COVID peak had passed. The number of patients admitted to fever clinics nationwide peaked on December the 23rd and declined afterwards. By January the 17th, figures were down 94 percent compared with the peak infection period. Online searches for fever, positive, cough, and other keywords related to COVID-19 and its symptoms also peaked in mid to late December. For Wu Jianfeng, the situation brought back memories of what had happened three years earlier. On the eve of Spring Festival 2020, Wu arrived in Wuhan, which was being devastated by a terrifying unknown killer. He was among the first medical personnel sent to assist the city in its battle against the disease. I received notice on January the 24th, and I was told to set off to Wuhan two hours later. Then I went to our hospital with my team. We caught a flight and arrived in the wee hours in Wuhan. I remember clearly it was 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> The novel coronavirus that appeared in Wuhan in 2019 was far more virulent and lethal than the current Omicron strain. Back then, the 60,000 medical workers in Wuhan were stretched to breaking point. Then, on January 20th, 
The new coronavirus was recognized as an infection on par with bubonic plague and cholera, triggering mechanisms mandating mass quarantine under the Chinese law. This remained the situation for the next three years. Also on January 20th, Chinese President Xi Jinping issued a series of instructions regarding the battle against the novel coronavirus. He said that people's lives and health were the priority and that the efforts to contain the spread of the virus should be resolute and unstinting. He also stressed the importance of prompt information sharing and enhanced international cooperation. The rest is history. Wuhan was put under lockdown. Ten million people were in the city. Such a move was unprecedented. To help Wuhan, the whole country was mobilized. Urgent supplies and more than 42,000 medical workers from all across China were rushed into the beleaguered city. Everyone's worried about the possibility of being affected while treating the patients. But I personally believe it's our responsibility to keep working. It's our job to treat the sick, especially those in critical condition. If we refuse to, we have no right to call ourselves doctors. But even China's finest medical minds seemed helpless in the face of this unknown enemy. At the beginning of 2020, China, a country of 1.4 billion people, had just 63,000 ICU beds. The danger was obvious. If the virus got a grip countrywide, the whole medical system might collapse in a short time. The tragedy of Wuhan would be repeated all across China. But thanks to China's rigorous COVID policies, a national disaster was averted. Meanwhile, doctors were accumulating experience in combating the virus. And the authorities issued a series of protocols and treatment plans as the virus evolved and new variants appeared. The clinical treatment is much less difficult than it was in Wuhan, and we were not so stressed. The main character of Omicron is high transmissibility. Many people are infected at once. But the proportion of people that need ICU care or hospitalization is quite low. In our designated hospital, patients with severe symptoms account for 3 to 4 percent of cases. I think we are much better prepared than before. First, we have adequate supplies. Second, we have more knowledge about the virus and have less fear of it. And we know more about treatment. Thirdly, we treat patients differently from some other countries. In many countries, patients that are aged over 80 are no longer intubated. But it's not the case in China. We put people and life first. We will go all out to save lives as long as there's chance. In addition to improving diagnosis and treatment, 
Increasing the number of ICU beds was vital. In the three years since the COVID-19 outbreak, China has added nearly 120,000 ICU beds. The number of ICU doctors has increased by nearly a third, and that of ICU nurses has doubled. In 2022 alone, the number of ICU beds increased by over 110,000. In less than a year, ICU beds per 100,000 people in China surpassed that of developed countries such as Britain, Japan, Spain, and France. Three years ago in Wuhan, lack of oxygen was a big problem. That's why in Xiongyan's ER, oxygen inhalation outlets are now installed on every wall. That way, there will be enough oxygen for all the patients who require it. Before, these were plain walls. Then we installed these devices to meet the demand for oxygen. There are still many COVID patients here who need oxygen. Many of the patients are elderly. In fact, we had many more before. One day, I was making my rounds and met four centenarians in this room. Her experience has also highlighted the importance of something that's proved vital in the fight against COVID. Vaccination. Those who have been vaccinated soon turn better after treatment. It was less likely for their condition to become critical. Their chances of survival were higher. The past three years created three critical windows of opportunity for us. First, the uptake of vaccinations have reached a comparatively higher level. Second, the incidence of the virus, which used to be high initially, gradually decreased. Thirdly, the research and development of medicines. Our ability of treating patients and dealing with public health emergencies has significantly improved over the past three years. As of the end of 2022, China had administered over 3.46 billion doses of COVID-19 vaccine. Now, more than 90% of the population are fully vaccinated. Of those over the age of 60, nearly 91% have received a vaccine. In all, 180 million elderly people have been given a booster shot. With that, we end this episode of the fight against COVID-19, What's Really Going On? Subscribe to our podcast for another episode filled with facts, stories, and opinions concerning the global battle against the novel coronavirus. For more detailed stories about the pandemic, visit radio.cgtn.com or listen to our current affairs program, The Beijing Hour, online. Drop us a line on our podcast so we can provide you with even more content that interests you. I'm Shane Bigham. Thanks for listening.